This is Entrepreneurs Get Visible, the podcast for people who want more impact, influence, and income. I'm Anna Parker-Naples, and I'll be sharing with you proven methods from leading entrepreneurs that help you get visible as an authority in your field. Because anything's possible when you get visible. Everybody and welcome to a live broadcast of Entrepreneurs Get Visible. I'm joined today by someone I keep seeing everywhere on social media, so this means that his Facebook ads are really working. I'm joined today by Gary Das, and we are talking about how you can be proactive in creating pillars of content. And Gary, I would love you to just tell a little bit about yourself and what you've just released only this week. Yeah, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever you're listening to this. Thank you very much indeed, Anna. Lovely to be on your show. So little kind of brief introduction is I'm originally a mortgage broker, went self-employed in 2006, spent 10 years building a business the wrong way, then realized I had to do everything differently. And that became, rather than avoiding social media, getting visible on social media. And that was using a niche and what we're going to probably end up talking about today And fast forward to kind of now, since 2016, having had no social media profile, I've got hundreds of videos online, over 100,000 followers I would estimate across all my social media channels. I've become an Amazon bestseller. I've got a podcast which won Financial Services Podcast of the Year in 2020. And I've just released the Proactive Podcast, which is all about inspiring the world to become more proactive so everyone can achieve more mentally, physically, and financially. And that got to number one in marketing above Amy Porterfield, which is a massive claim to fame. And she Instagram storied me yesterday, which was cool. And uh, number three in business behind Tim Ferriss and Stephen Bartlett, who are just huge. So yeah, it was a great couple of days launching it, 700 downloads in 15 different countries, which just shows the power of being visible. Yeah, the power of podcasting as well for those of you. And what's interesting here, Gary, is like me, you have another podcast. I don't host the other one now. But this is the thing. When people find a vehicle that works for them, then sometimes they're doing it in multiple ways because this is how you can get your message out there. This is how you can reach your people. It's an effective tool and it's effective piece of content. So that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about how can you make sure you're creating content that represents you that becomes, in your words, pillar content. So talk to us a little bit about what that means for you. Yeah. So the the thing with content creation and what I realized in 2016 was for kind of a bit of a social media history, I hated social media in 2015. I realized it was a necessary evil. I saw a guy in fitness doing video and I thought, okay, I've got to do this in my industry because no one else is. Now I coach and mentor my industry to do this as well. But I started posting once a day I then started, managed to build the confidence to do video by around about the June of 2016 after joining a social media Facebook group. I then went live in the October and I challenged myself to do 30 lives in 30 days. And 17 and 18 were very much about producing more content. And I always just kind of went with the answer of what are the common questions that my clients are asking me and just doing a post or one or two videos around that. Then my industry started asking me for help in 2018. And I thought, right, how can I best serve them? I need to leverage my time between my own mortgage brokerage and now moving into coaching and mentoring. And the idea was I started a Facebook group and I just basically took 
what they said to me in terms of the questions they had around how I was doing lead generation, how I was being visible, how I was building my brokerage. And I just took one of those elements and I just chatted about it on a podcast for 10, 15, 30 minutes and just started to then utilize that pillar piece of content, that one major piece, and then get my team to repurpose that into other elements of content. So for me, it was the best leverage of time. And no doubt we'll talk about a little bit more detail. So that was kind of how it all started. And this is important because, I mean, I often say repurpose, repurpose, repurpose. The reason we talk about that is it saves you time and it allows you to get seen and heard by more people quickly. You're not wasting your time. And actually, as the front men and women of our businesses, it shouldn't be us doing the repurposing. We need to think as the deliverer of the content, of the value. And what I want to say here is that both Gary and I have strong personal brands. However, it's not because we want to create loads of content. There's always a deeper message around it. There's always, like for Gary, it's about being proactive in your life, your business, whatever you need to do to get moving. For me, it's this message about visibility and amplifying what you've got and what you represent. We don't want necessarily to be content creators, but what we understand is that this is the cornerstone, the pillar of our business and the results that we get for people. So what are ways then that you now that you now make sure you're going about things the right way. You talked a lot about 2015, Gary, got it wrong for a long time. What now do you recognize has to be the foundations of what you do? So the thing that I kind of realized then is everyone, and I, you know, I now do a bit of business coaching as well and performance coaching. And I kind of realized that within my first step, it's all about identifying your clear vision. You know, what do you actually want? Where do you want to be in 12 months time? And a key part of that vision is actually identifying your own superpowers. You know, you've got things that only you can do that you're better than anybody else at. And the clearer you become on those, the more you do those every single day, the less you get frustrated, anxiety, worry, procrastination, because you just give everything else to everybody else. And it becomes that whole do, delegate and delete. Mm -hmm. And I realized that in a world where we live now, particularly in a mortgage space, which is so commoditized, the only way to stand out was to be a front man, quote unquote, you know, to put myself out there. So I try and focus on within my mortgage brokerage, and I'm now inspiring my team to actually take this on with the new strategy going forward, as well as me, because collectively, five brands underneath one business brand is going to be even more visibility. And they're going to leverage my brand to build their own names as well now. But that's the partnership we're working towards. But also in a in a coaching and a mentoring and a higher purpose state, you know, six years into my or five years into my social media and, and marketing journey, you know, I've got a higher vision now. My mission is to inspire the world. And, and it's I realize in doing that, that can appeal both to my mortgage clients, that can appeal to business owners and mortgage brokers, financial services professionals. And it's just more congruent with, you know, the methods that I want to employ and deploy. And I love these kind of conversations, like the way you run your podcast as a chat is absolutely bang on. I hate the scripted kind of elements. It's just not me. I fly by my seat and my pants, as I like to say, as it were. So my whole fellow, focus, fellow, yeah. fellow flying by the seat of my pants uh, entrepreneur <laughs> well, over here as well. I hope it's what? knickers, not pants. <laughs> 
Depends Sorry, what day it is, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Although my son right now in lockdown, who knows? Who knows when they're changed? It's very hard to keep track of. <laughs> Reality of life in lockdown. So, okay, I, there's so many questions I want to ask you. So what I loved there was how easy it was for you to articulate, I want to inspire the world. There's no hesitancy there. There's no shyness. There's no reticence about what you're here to do. And I love that because I have found myself in the past tiptoeing around it. I see my my mission, what I'm here to do, is to awaken, activate and inspire others to go away and awaken, activate and inspire, right? Because then we literally change the world, but we're talking to one person at a time. And I think what we've got is vehicles where, through content, and that could be a blog, that could be a podcast, that could be a video, that could be Clubhouse, could be whatever it is. But we are making a difference with every piece of work that we do. But in terms of business, we need stuff that represents what we do, that's telling people our value, reminding people of our value. You talked earlier about getting it the wrong way. And I want to investigate that because one of the things I'm passionate about sharing on this podcast is my own utter journey of, I'm not going to swear because I've decided my show is non-expletive expletive. I never know how you say that, but we're, we're keeping it clean today. How I like to share the things that I know I did wrong. And I just shared actually a lot this week. It's four years ago this week, I came into the online space. So mission-led, so purpose-driven, no idea what I was doing. And I remember feeling a sense of shame when I first launched that I'm not getting the visibility. I'm not getting the growth. I'm not getting the profits. I will never tell anyone how badly I've messed this up. And yet actually now the strength in my business is sharing what I did back then. So let's hear from you, Gary. What did you do wrong? What was the wrong way? Yeah, love that question. And I love what you said there as well, just to pick up on that from the audience in the sense of one of the things and one of my ethos is about being proactive is just accepting that it's going to be a messy start. And you accepted that there's going to be a messy start. And if you're okay with that, And it's kind of when I launched my coaching business and my teaching business, you know, I just said to people, this is a test. You're asking me for this. I don't know if it's going to work or if it's not going to work, but I promise you, if you invest X amount, you're going to get value over the course of the next three months. And hey, that will help if we go bigger thereafter than happy days. And now it's hundreds of mentees. But I just wanted to reaffirm what you said there, because it's so vital for people who are going, oh, my podcast might not work. And oh, it might not be right. Just give it a go. What's the worst thing that can happen? So You're going I, to grow and evolve through your journey. And I know that sounds a little bit, mm, I've heard that before. But yeah, it's yeah. true. And if you don't get the journey started, how, how can you look back and go, okay, that went a little bit wrong there, but now I can exactly. course correct. Yeah, so I, I essentially... In terms of getting it wrong, a mortgage broker in various different realms. So I was 2003, Woolwich, went to Connell's estate agency, went to a large brokerage in London, uh, worked for one in Colchester where I was driving up and down the country. And the whole problem for me with every time I moved jobs was just not enough leads or no life. It was a balance of the two, like going to London, up at seven, home at 10. It's like, what the hell am I doing? And when I went, when I in 2005, there was an advert in Chelmsford to come back from London uh, with a new startup brokerage. And essentially, in that in 11 months, I was sales and compliance manager within 12 months, managing the business pretty much. And we grew it to £100,000 a month within three of us. So I just said to my dad, look, I know I can make this work. I know how the leads are being generated because they were all bought from the likes of Money Supermarket and these types mm-hmm. of companies. Dad lent me two and a half grand and I went self-employed. 
I then had mortgage broker on my dining room table as I classified and just sort of had a bit of fun and was going to the gym at three o'clock and working a bit in the evenings as, as a single lad. Then the credit crunch hit and mortgages, I was doing adverse credits, so bad credit mortgages. So literally one day my business was there, the next day my business was gone. So I, I diversified and did life insurance. And my, I then had met my wife or my, my now wife in 2011. And I let a best mate buy into my business we didn't differentiate who was the manager and who was the entrepreneur. Bought him out two years later after a review on honeymoon. We had grown too quickly, recruited badly, got rid of those people and started all over again in 2012. Then I grew again. And I just, for 10 years, I did no marketing at all, like zero, not even to my existing clients, not even sending an email. It was just buy leads. They would come into the business. I knew the conversion percentage. I knew the sale value. I knew what the profit margins would be. And I would just hammer the team like a military sergeant to, to get the deals over the line. And because of that trap, I was back to three days, back to work three days after my first daughter was born in 2012. And at my peak in 2015, I was spending £20,000 a month on low quality leads. And it was a vicious trap that I hated, that kept me anxious every month about paying this bill. And I just remember sitting in my office one day, feeling paying this £20,000 out and feeling like the world was just closing in on me. But the short version is I'd had my best year financially. My business was at its most successful point ever in 2015. We decided to move into the house that we are now in. I went to my bank. My bank said, no, you can't move because you've left the money in the business. You've not withdrawn it as dividends. I then searched the, I then thought, right, I'm not having that because of my proactive nature. Found 180 lenders in three days, found a bank who would do it, found an opportunity to get back to mortgages, which is what I've been do- biding my time to do. Moved into this house in October. By January 2016, I got re- I downsized and let everybody go. And I started again with me and my PA with a niche in self-employed mortgages. And my mission was to make sure that nobody would feel the pain that I felt as a self-employed individual trying to buy my own home. And that's what your book's about. It is, yeah. The Self-Employed Mortgage Guide, which I did at the end of 2017. And what I love there is that you have had a very challenging circumstance. And you've been in that situation as a business owner where there's money coming in. But my God, the anxiety, the pressure on that treadmill and not knowing what to do about it. And yet you've seen an opportunity in that. And I love that. I'm a big believer. A lot of our growth comes through adversity, comes through trauma, comes through when we're on the other side of stress, if we're open to it. So now, what would you say? What would you say to Gary then, who is just buying all those leads, constantly on the go? What, What advice would you have for him? Oh, that is a, that is a blooming good question. I was going to, I was going to do an expletive, but I realized that we're not doing expletives today. Keeping it clean today, keeping it clean. Yeah, crikey. So the Gary today as I am now to the Gary back then. Well, I'm a firm believer in everything happens for a reason and it's a marathon, not a sprint and you are on a journey and everything, life is happening for you, not to you. So if it was me talking to the me back then, I would just say, trust your judgment and follow the decisions that you need to make. Because I don't believe that I would be where I am today had I not have made those mistakes and done the things that I've done and learned. I've always believed in failing forwards. 
And a great NLP saying, you know, I classify myself as socially anxious in 2015. Like I went to a networking event because I wanted to do something different. I was number 28 out of 30 sitting around this U-shaped table and I had beads of sweat going down my back in my suit as I classify myself corporate Gary, not very corporate now. And that's another thing about being visible that we should probably talk about. But, you know, I, I kind of realized that networking wasn't my thing. And actually that power of just... When I did NLP, I saw Tony Robbins. I did NLP practitioner in February 2016. It was my first opportunity going out in a room in London. And Steve Payne, who's now a great friend of mine, you know, called somebody up to the front. And I knew sitting in that room, I had a decision. It was either change your life or continue to do what you've always done. You're going to continue to get the same result. Mm. My hand reluctantly went up in the air. He pulled me to the front of the room. I was absolutely... Yeah, I, Scared <laughs> of avoiding the expletives. Um, I was absolutely beeping myself. And um, he did an exercise with me in front of 100 people in the room. I signed up to the practitioner course. And the lesson that I took from it is there is no such thing as failure. There is only feedback. And I've yeah. just lived by that model ever since. It's just like fail forwards. You're going to get it wrong. You're going to make mistakes, but just keep going. Yeah, well, fellow fellow NLP practitioner here, I went on and did the masters, and it changed everything about my life. I always had the capacity to be someone who was successful. I knew that within me that I was supposed to be doing something more, but was locked into so many stories of why I couldn't. I shared that with you, Gary, that I was in a situation where I just thought I couldn't be successful, couldn't be a good mum, could although that's arguable in lockdown anyway, whether I have one currently, <laughs> my children pretty much glued to the Xbox 24-7. But I couldn't earn the money. I couldn't do something meaningful. I couldn't become well known for it because I wasn't this and I wasn't that. Lots of insecurities coming up for me, even though I was a confident woman. And honestly, guys, if you know you're sitting in that pit of things aren't quite working out for you, go and do the work. Go and do the work. It's bloody powerful. Ah! <laughs> I swore. <laughs> it's so powerful. Go do it. Yeah. So, okay. So we're talking about content. What do people need to know? How can you, how can you make sure that what you're putting out there is the right thing to put out there, that you're not wasting your time? Okay. So I have developed a four-step process for lead generation. That's my that's my love now. Service-based business owners, financial brokers, mortgage brokers, insurance advisors, will writers who want to create content. And it used to be a three-step model, but I realized I was missing the most important first step. So the, the four steps is, pers- is personal brand, customer, attention, and sales. And the reason why I did customer attention in sales is because in the financial services industry, we have a a known phrase of competent advisor status. It's what everybody wants to get. So CAS is well known. So I just put my own spin on it to to throw a curveball into the industry. But that exactly, that, that thing of what is the thing that people should do? You're the differentiator. So personal brand, doesn't matter if Anna and I choose to do the same podcast with the same title, are targeted at the same audience. She's red, I'm blue in my branding. She looks different, she sounds different, we're a different sex, we speak at different speeds, although by judging by this, we probably don't. But- <laughs> I think we both have quite a lot of energy. <laughs> <laughs> but we will appeal to different people, and that is okay. People like you will like you. You don't need to appeal to everybody. But in starting out in your journey, that personal brand element, what do you stand for? What do you stand against? What's most important to you in your life? What are your values? What are the things that resonate most with you? 
because I'll give you a perfect example in this, it linking it into the customer. One of my coaching clients is massively into triathlons. He's got a whole wall in his house with all the badges, with all the medals, with all the, you know, the seat that he's used from the competitions that he's won and all this jazz. But you had never seen it in his content. And I said, do videos in front of your content. Because the part of the brain called the reticular activating system, when you're doing your content, if a triathlete sees that stuff in the background, they will watch just because of that element of it will resonate them. It will resonate with them subconsciously without them knowing. So once they feel like they belong with you, that's what it is. That's what we're drawing in. We're 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 drawing in that primal need to belong. We we want to be with people who are similar to us, like like attracts like. And if you're not showing yourself then what are you showing? Exactly. And that's where the personal brand is so, so key. You know, everybody worries about talking about your sector, your product. Yeah, but I'm not doing that. But a personal brand is about showing who you are. People people aren't your friend because of the job that they do. They're their friend because of the values and the commonalities. I've got mates who, you know, I've got my fitness friends. I've got my football friends. I've got my friends' friends who are like my, you know, my core five that I've known for years and were my best men and my ushers and all that kind of jazz. But that's how it goes because you've got those commonalities. And now we've got our, you know, our parents' friends where we have the, where we just chuck the kids off and let them all go and play together and we do adult stuff, or at least we used to when we could see humans. Go out. Um, So after you've understood yourself, which is a personal development journey and mission, then it's about customer. And you have to start with a niche, but your niche doesn't become your niche forever. I was saying to Anna before this, you know, self-employed mortgages was my niche and is still my niche in my mortgage brokerage. If I hyper-niched, it's limited company directors with retained profits. In terms of my financial services, when I launched it, 2019 was mortgage brokers, 2020 was branching out into financial services as an overarching, 2021 with the Proactive Podcast is now that higher journey of my mission is just to inspire the world to be more proactive, which leads into entrepreneurs, which leads into business owners, which feeds my brokerage, feeds my coaching and mentoring, and just enables me to live my life based on my personal brand and my development. What's interesting about that for me is that if you'd started with a podcast that was to inspire as many people as possible, you wouldn't have had the success that you will have and go on to have with that podcast. You just wouldn't. Because who are you speaking to? If you're speaking to everyone, you're speaking to no one. When you've built that personal brand and that recognition and that understanding and that tribe and that following, then actually you can do anything. And in a similar way, what we've done is we've gone, okay, I can own a little piece of the land in the podcast space, but my mission, what I'm here to do is way bigger than that. But if I help that next sector of people first, they're on my side, they're with me, then you can grow and expand and express more of who you are. Um, And I think... People are resistant to the niche. People are resistant, but there's beauty in it. There is beauty. So I think I think Gary, you and I could actually probably chat for hours about this stuff. <laughs> I love it when I love it when I have a guest on the show I've not met before. We've come we we have lots of friends and buddies in common. I see you on social media and blah blah blah. But you never know until you're on a on a call. And this is the other thing about you know, doing collaborations, whether it's having someone as a guest expert in your Facebook group or or doing podcast interviews, you meet amazing people. And if you're not meeting amazing people, how are you growing your connections without having to go back to that old school style of sitting around some god awful 
networking table being number 28 with a sweaty back wearing a suit that you don't feel comfortable in. How else how else do you do that? So, okay, someone then who wants to start creating pillar content, what do they do? So starting with the the most important thing, which is really clearly identify your customer. Start with that niche. And to, to go to really double down the, that niche element, Tony Robbins, the number one motivational public speaker who holds audiences of 10,000, if not millions now with, you know, during the pandemic lockdown stuff that you saw, he started in smoking. He then expanded to addiction. He then expanded again and again and again. And the circumference grows. So if you can think of your pillar content should be targeted. And the method you can use is a marketing method, which is ADA, you know, attention, interest, desire, action. And the attention has to call out that person to start with. So my content for my mortgage brokerage will always continue to start. If you're self-employed and blah, 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 capture the attention, we'll give some value and then we'll do the call to action kind of at the end. So it's really important that An exercise that I did back in 2016, which is not one that I can claim, it was one that I heard, was to literally go through and put down the 50 problems. Yes, 50. It's a real hard slog and a challenge. The 50 problems that your ideal target client has. There's another one that you can utilize, which I learned recently, which is what are the 13 problems that your ideal client has? If you can really get clear on those actual problems and then come up with four solutions, Now, the four solutions could be a case study, could be a story, could be, you know, a mistake that causes the problem. That gives you 52 weeks worth of content. That then gives you your year's worth of content to say, that's the thing that I'm going to focus on the most this week. And if you say today, you do that one piece of pillar content, you've got a few days to then turn that one piece of pillar content into smaller pieces of content, advertising that pillar piece which then gives you your whole week in a simplistic method. So there you go. It's not as hard as you think it is. You're starting with one piece of content that becomes your cornerstone. And, you know, you can speed up this process. You can start with video. You can start with audio. You can start with a written blog. And you pull it out from there. And so you can kind of just expand. I like the idea of the circumference just spreading. That's a nice one especially because I've been working with my son on his area homework today. So we've been looking at (laughs) circumference, all the joys of trying to run a business in lockdown. Well, thank you so much for coming on today, Gary. Where's the best place for people to come and find you? Yeah, so I'm all over social media at Gary Das. And I've got my website, which is GaryDass.com, which then leads people out to my mortgage brokerage or my financial coaching, et cetera, so on and so forth. So if you go to my main Gary Das website, you'll find the podcast, you'll find my guides around lead generation, all of that kind of stuff. So thank you. Great. And if you've enjoyed, if you enjoyed listening to Gary today, go check out the Proactive Podcast. Thanks for listening, guys. Take care. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to Entrepreneurs Get Visible. To get your free checklist on how to raise your profile and to find out about our community, go to annaparkernaples.co.uk forward slash get visible.